Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. When we do understand, Hunter, Mm -hmm. I think it leads to acceptance of differences. Yeah, yeah. Because we come from, uh, I think, a culture that expects all our children to be alike because we raise them all alike. Um, So it's not about that. It's about accepting Mm. the differences and being glad. Mm. Uh, Would we want to raise five firstborns or five youngest or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? So their personalities will be different. I think we do need to honor them and it helps us to accept what they do in their life. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 323. Today, we're talking about how birth order shapes your child with Yvonne Nass. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Dear listeners, so glad you are here today. Hey, special welcome, of course, to you if you're new. This is an awesome episode to jump in on. 323, can you believe it? Oh my goodness. I am so excited for today's conversation because it is a special one to me. We are talking to 
the woman who was the parent coach for myself and my husband, Bill, when we were going bananas. When we were little, we did one of the best things we ever did, which was invest in what is most important to us and get help. And the help that we got was the great Yvonne Nass. And she is a Delaware certified parent educator, a certified Hadlerian family counselor, and she has developed and taught parent education curriculum to diverse groups of parents and caregivers for over 40 years. She does workshops for classroom management and Montessori teachers. She's worked for a nonprofit for 25 years, and she's the mother of three, stepmother of five, grandmother to 12, and now is the guardian of a great grandson who is an awesome kiddo who attends a Montessori school. So Yvonne is amazing. She's a really wonderful person. She came to my studio in person to record this. You'll hear maybe sound a little different. We had a lot of fun. She's an amazing lady, and I'm so happy to step into her footsteps in a way. And her birth order training is so powerful, and it's going to give you incredible insights into your kiddo. So I can't wait for you to dive into this conversation. All right, so now let's go to this conversation without any more delay. Let's talk to Yvonne Nass about how birth order shapes your child. When I had Maggie and she was a toddler at Wilmington Montessori School and I was like go home and like cry every day because she was so challenging and I was it was so hard for us. You were like my first parenting teacher which was amazing and you came to WMS and you gave a class and it was very very helpful. So I'm super excited to bring you on the Mindful Mama podcast because now, you know, you can be on the same stage, so to speak, as Dan Siegel and et cetera, who, oh my have, goodness. who have been on the podcast. So I'm excited <laughs> to have you here. And one of the reasons I have you here is because I haven't, you taught about birth order, which is so interesting. And I, it's so fascinating and no one, I haven't heard anyone talk about that. And it's so, so interesting, but just quickly, I mean, why, Mm -hmm. what got you into teaching parents, desperate, sad, beautiful parents? (laughs) I was a desperate parent (laughs) (laughs) with three children, uh, way back in the day, um, love them. Uh, I didn't like living with them. <laughs> so um, I decided to go on a hunt. The um, uh, someone said that my uh, firstborn uh, was just immature. I had no clue what that meant. Oh, and come to find out, um, I had done everything for him. I thought that's what good mothers did. Uh, mm. So if I could have uh, eaten for him, I think I would have. Uh, and so it would have been cleaner. <laughs> he was seven. Uh, my daughter was five, and my youngest was um, two. If he'd have been my firstborn, I would have never had another child. So uh, there you go. That's mm. where mm. I was. So I went on a hunt, and uh, what I found, uh, Hunter, was. Um, Rudolf Dreicher's philosophy, which was based on Alfred Adler. 
And so my children have led me to my profession. And mm. I just began to study it. And I got so excited uh, with the help that I received because uh, I began to understand and all the redirection was based on encouragement. And um, and so I got so excited about it. I thought, oh my gosh, I have to share this. I have to share this with as many parents as want it. And interestingly enough, none of my friends ever said they had problems so I thought there was something <laughs> wrong with me you're like describing it's so funny because it's like a generational journey because like you were one of those people for me and then I was like oh my god this is fascinating yes. there's so much to learn here and I have to share this with everyone <laughs> I can but yeah and I thought my friends they all seem fine what's wrong with me <laughs> exactly that's how I felt too and I thought but there's got to be other people that really yeah, want, yeah. want to hear this um and interesting when we um, when you picked the uh, topic of birth order was uh, I would go into high schools and uh, and give this information and and the students were like oh this is wonderful I mean you know their little eyes would light up and uh, and it, and that's a lot of fun too oh yeah God, that's, that's a lot of fun so I'm anxious to share it all right cool well so birth order is a piece of something bigger right so do you want to lay give us the lay of the land of sort of the the bigger context that we want to understand birth order in i can do that very quickly um when children are born they come into this world and um and, and so they develop perceptions uh about um the world is people are I mm. am, and these perceptions are sort of like our um, what carries us through life. We believe that, mm. and so um, in my training, we call that the family constellation. And then, what impacts on that hunter are the family values, the family atmosphere, the sex of the child, and birth order. Mm. And so um, it has helped me in my work to understand families that I work with, continue to work with. And um, and so the birth order part of it, though, is the most fun part of it, I think, <laughs> as we begin to look at how do they develop these perceptions. And parents tend to blame themselves a lot mm-hmm. uh, for how their children turn out and why aren't they all alike? And but I raised them all the same, and uh, and so yeah, yeah. There's a curiosity around it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that psychology has done a lot of blaming of parents for yes. how we are how we are in the past. So it's no wonder that we're 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 blaming ourselves. But you're saying that like that not only is there's also obviously a big place for nature genetics and et cetera all Mm -hmm. those things but like it's such a complex i love the word constellation of of things right there's all these causes and influences and one of them Mm -hmm. that makes an impact that we often overlook which is why i got you i wanted to talk to you today is is the order of the birth because it's a totally different experience for like my first child versus my second child i mean i a, I was like just so much more relaxed for my second child. But right. um, so get us started. What okay. what what happens? Okay. First well, baby's born, and then we're all freaking out and their experiences. And this is how I look at it. You know, is I've worked with these little people, 
getting born is like coming into、um, a stage play.、Mm. <laughs> so there are already people operating on this stage of life, and so this little person comes into the world. They look around, and then they try to figure out how am I going to fit. So when that first one comes into the world, they're an only child. Living in a world of adults, so they begin to develop perceptions uh, uh, about the world.、Mm-hmm. And so, what you're going to find with only children is that they enjoy being the center of attention because they are. Yeah, they're the center of like the now the world. Everybody's world.、Them. Yes, <laughs> grandparents and aunts and uncles and who whoever. So they.、Um, They're able to do that, and then they maintain that through the years. I think by acting very adult-like. If if, if you notice with uh, uh, only children, they talk like adults、mm. because、mm-hmm. adults are their models.、Mm. So when they're explaining something, it's very clear. Yeah,、uh, it, it's not childlike. Um, That's how Maggie was when she. Well, she was very precocious、yeah. in language, but like when she was、yeah. two years old, she'd just pop out these sentences, and I'd be like, "Who are you? <laughs> Where did that come from?" <laughs>、yeah. Right? Yeah. And so they're able to do that, and then,、um, and and you know, the other thing is, they if if it's just if say the family is two parents and this child, they will begin to consider themselves part of the adult world.、Mm. So、that、what they、sense. will do is give input.、Mm. You'll、mm. say,、um, you know, put your shoes away. Well, why? You left yours out. <laughs> And then, of course, the parents think it's disrespect, but basically, it's the perception of this child who feels they have equal rights. Yeah. Yeah. That, makes sense. It does make sense, and then that's all that this whole like center of the universe. I'm, you know, like being the most important one, and and this feeling of being in the adult world, that gets kind of overturned if when child number two comes along, right?、And、oh it, yes, when absolutely. And 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 here's the thing though that that the oldest will usually do very well、uh, academically and intellectually. Yeah, because、oh, okay. they're, they're read to a lot.、Um, they're very comfortable through life with older friends. Okay. Sometimes marrying someone older than them, they're just more comfortable. I think with the maturity level of older friends,、um, they can be. I want to share this、uh, with、uh, with your people is that they can be very possessive of what they love, and sometimes that's parent.、Mm-hmm. So that if you have a son, he can be very possessive of his mom, and vice versa. My daddy, don't sit next to him, and they'll get right in the middle of you and、uh, push you away. <laughs> It's fun to watch them do that.、Um, and then they 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 really like you to recognize how special they are. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that, and you know,、uh, Hunter, what's interesting is, and you're all, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so are the people <laughs> out there who want to listen to this, because perceptions don't leave us. Yeah. So it's not going to change. This is who I am. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. 
This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, also we have confirmation bias, right? So we tend to look for the things that confirm what we already believe. So we're going to just hone in on the things Mm -hmm. that tell you I'm special, et cetera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, my oldest daughter was looking at her 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 astrological birth chart last night of all the things and you know that's Mm. obviously that's something that makes us feel very special when we look at like oh i'm this unique piece of the universe that is this this particular way and she said mom she said you know you should maybe should read this you might get some insights see see yeah oh yeah it's just really fascinating and and to add to my I was an only child and um and to add to that was I had an aunt who had uh two daughters uh older than me but um she thought I was very special and if I would uh draw on the wall she'd bring everybody in to see it I could tell you that's stories about her daughters later, but uh, but but that was my special note. Uh, and uh, so it, it it like I say the the, um, the the perceptions stay. But yes, you're right. If um, there is another uh, child coming onto this stage of life, then your uh, only will become a firstborn. Mm-hmm. And what we know about firstborns are they have to be first. Mm-hmm. So if you're a teacher and you say line up, uh, they'll lock each other over (laughs) to be first in line. They'll want to stay first. So they had their eyes on the second one coming up. Hmm. Um, So I'm not going to teach them, see, to get better than me, but uh, I might do for them to keep them where they need to be. 
Oh. Actually, that's funny because that is like with Maggie and I have been doing, um, we've been, we joined the Newcastle County Sailing Club mm-hmm. and we're both learning how to sail these like boats and it's really interesting. And I had to, we were both on the boat with an instructor and I had to, I had to say, Maggie, don't do the knot for me because she knows all these knots now from scouts. I was like, can you just teach me how to do the knot so I can learn how to do it? <laughs> but see, it, 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 let me show you how smart I am because <laughs> I have to keep my place. Uh, and so that is so much firstborn. They usually do very well. Uh, and if they buy into the family values, Mm-hmm. then uh, they will get the reputation of being the good kid mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they've bought those values. Okay, yeah. uh, and so, uh, yeah. And, and so that is, you know, again, they, they will act adult-like. And um, now they can be caretakers again because I'm going to keep you little. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and, this is amazing because I bet dear listener like you're you may be nodding along if you have an older older child but maybe also if you are the firstborn you're probably like oh my god that's me this is so me (laughs) i would love to find out that's hilarious yes that's me uh and and they you know it's interesting now again because of the perceptions of uh, the family values and what I have to do to keep my place. They, they're they usually rule followers, so they'll want to know the rules. Mm-hmm. And so um, so you'll see them in school. Um, make sure they tell other people uh, what the rules are. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, teachers usually enjoy this, <laughs> uh, this information, uh, because they do that. So it's interesting. In the meantime, if you do have another sibling, then... That little person has come into the stage of life and has a little person in front of them. So obviously, it's fascinating. I imagine you know it's like well, what they're yeah. going to do. They don't have these big adults. They just have a little person. So they're running to catch up. Yeah. So that firstborn's looking over his shoulder, and that secondborn is looking forward, and. And interestingly, um, Hunter, they usually accomplish things quicker uh, because they do have a little person in front of them. And so, you know, we don't have to spend all that time teaching them how to ride a bike. They pick it up, they ride, uh, and off they go, you know. So, uh, yeah, they're freer to ignore the rules (laughs) because there is somebody ready to tell them what they are <laughs> the older child is saying you have mm-hmm. to do this and oh my gosh and... but see they knew the rules so guess what the oldest is bossy totally yes i, I adult siblings tell me that oh my God. you know oh my sister was so bossy that's the word and and the other thing is is that they are also tattletalers those firstborns because they can get everybody else into trouble. Look what he did. Mm. Mm. Mommy, mommy, come see what he did. Mm. Yeah. What what do you what do you say to parents about tattletaling? Because obviously, like, 
you know, we want our kids to respect the boundaries we set in our house, but tattletaling's not cool because it's 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 you know undermining the relationship right. between the siblings. What what advice do you give for parents? Well, that? Um, I always say thank you, and whatever has happened. Uh, I remember uh, my three, again, painting on a wall. Uh, they, uh, the two oldest, encouraged the youngest to do this. Uh, and um, they were ready to tell me. And I said, well, you all need to get a bucket and rags. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I just put them all in the same boat. Mm. And then all of a sudden, nobody's squealing on anybody else. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because how much fun is it to get somebody in trouble? I don't know. I, I was a second-born, so I forget about that. See? <laughs> there you go. But these little guys are, are very active, your second-born. You can see them very active, very energetic. Sometimes they even get diagnosed hyperactive mm-hmm. um, because of this whole idea of, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to be that good because uh, mm-hmm. they have that little person in front of them. And, um, and, you know, the other thing, because they don't have to follow all these rules, you'll find that oldest can be very serious about life, mm-hmm. but you'll find that secondborns are fun. Oh. Yeah, they're nice. just fun lovers. They have a nice smile, and they talk. <laughs> and they're just more relaxed. <laughs> and so I'm glad you're doing your mindfulness parenting because uh, firstborns might need it. They, they might need to, to calm down. <laughs> to, and chill to chill out, out a, a little. little. Yeah, chill yeah, yeah. out a little. Yeah, we're not going to do it perfect. <laughs> we should do a survey in mindful parenting to see who is a firstborn and a secondborn. That, that's that right. Really Tell them to send that, uh, send that to you because it really would be and uh, what their issues are. Because I can tell right away when I see families, you know. Um, uh, that you know, if you're firstborn, do you, you're you, are you more prone to trying to like kind of control the situation? Oh yes, because you, you absolutely yeah. uh, the oldest knows what's right. Mm-hmm. They've watched adults tell them, so they know. Of course, I'm going to control this family <laughs> and, and keep the secondborn where they need to be. But um, so it's interesting to watch. And um, I think we see a lot of like I saw when I saw my firstborn telling my second telling my second daughter what to do and hearing the words coming out of her mouth and how unskillful they were at that point because she was mimicking me and my words were not so skillful at that point. She was just barking orders at Sora and I was like, oh man, boy, this is a wake up, wake up call. I've got to, I've got to shift the way I'm talking. Well, the one thing we do know, uh, and you can take this to the bank is that your first and second born are directly opposite of each other Huh? because, um, we can't occupy the same space. Mm. So, uh, in most families, uh, you will see that. Uh, and so if we decide to go and have another one, mm, like I did, um, then when that little guy comes into the world, uh, then they've got uh, two older role models in front of them. Oh, my gosh. So they look around and say, how will I fit? But see, by this time, we have adults and we have children and so that youngest needs a lot of help. So if you have a youngest, you probably have someone very helpless. And the way we get the help is by our charm. Oh. 
and our manipulation. I'm sorry. I love you. Oh, no. With this great big smile, then your heart melts. That's okay, baby. Where when your firstborn did it, uh, you were firmer. <laughs> So they surely uh, do train us uh, in a way, and um, and so yeah, you know that 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 one really the the youngest really is a fun lover, very social, uh, and usually interestingly enough, and this is another uh, uh, statistic you can look at, they they become our entertainers. Oh wow, really? Um, because they have an audience. Yeah, you know, my youngest was in theater. Uh, you know, so he could do puppet shows for everybody and he could do uh, joke telling and, uh, huh. you know, he just sailed through life like that and and no worries. Life was going to be good to him. Yeah. And um, yeah, and a lot of friends. Uh, <laughs> and so that's kind of where the youngest sits. Now, that dynamic, though, and I'll, I'll use three, but if you have larger families, it, uh, we can talk about that, too. But that thing causes your secondborn to become a middle. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meaning that they have uh, one in front and one behind. Mm-hmm. So they are always looking both ways. Mm. Okay. And maybe like identifying more with the older and then identifying more with the younger, kind of flipping maybe back and forth. Between no, what they do, Hunter, is fascinating when you really look at a true middle child. Um, they see what the oldest gets. Uh-huh. They see what the youngest gets. And they know one thing. I don't get it. Oh. You- so they begin to feel left out or uh, par- yeah. apart from the family. Mm-hmm. And if you want to buy them a t-shirt, it says life is unfair. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm. 
So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So life is very unfair to our, our middle children. And, you know, looking both ways um, then um, sometimes will impact on their ability to make decisions. But what the gift is for our middle children, it makes them extremely empathic because they know what mm. it feels like to be left out. Oh. So they suffer a little bit, but they're very empathic. These are the, the people that will grow up um, marching for causes. Huh. Yeah, yeah, because they know that feeling. They know what that feels like. Marginalization. And, yeah, and um, and sometimes even what will happen uh, is that the oldest and the youngest will build an alliance, which oh. even there, therefore will even leave the the middle child more left out. Oh man, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really picturing as you speak about this. I just can't help but picture Bobby from the Pretty Bunch. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) whatever the middle one was. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. And the one thing we know is they're usually the most different in the family, so that um, uh, parents will say, "Where did he come from? How did we get him?" Mm -hmm. You know, I had um, three nieces, and um, and they very much followed the birth order. And the middle child, she was um, the boy. Uh, that was not in the family, but not in the sense of being a physical uh, boy, but uh, just so different from the Prissy girls. Oh, yeah. So she she may not have been like trans, but she was like, no. I am just no. the... Uh, oh, know, yeah. I'm... Broke the rules, rebellious, yeah. uh, did whatever she wanted to do. You know, she'd come to my house and the first thing she'd say to me, my children and, and those girls were close in age, and she'd say... Um, Annie Vaughn, don't don't tell my mother I wash dishes here, because I mean, she would never <laughs> wash a dish, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And don't ruin uh, my rep. Yeah, and and she was, uh, and even making decisions about life, uh, she was different. Now my daughter was a middle mm-hmm. of two boys. Um, what made her different was she was a girl. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, she was not prissy because she had two brothers, mm. so. <laughs> She was one of the guys. Mm. And the alliance in my family was um, the oldest and the second born. Hmm. So will you see kids like make alliances? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I guess then if you get into like even a larger family, yeah. you're going to see all kinds of different alliances and stuff. You can, yeah. But uh, say you have five children. Okay. Um, that middle will be the middle. Okay. Oh. As soon as you see the most different uh, a child in the family, and it's not bad. It's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Um, they just make their mark that way, uh, and um, yes, and so it it's just fascinating, I think, to to watch uh, again their their perceptions of it. Well, and one thing that when you taught this years ago to 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 me and to my husband, one thing I thought was really interesting is that. 
you know, there's only children. And then some, depending on how far apart your kids are, yes. like uh, a younger sibling may be more like an only child. Like my dad and his brother were seven years apart, right? So mm-hmm. is there's a certain number of years, right? Where it they, is. It, it, so mm-hmm. it was almost like they're both only children. Yes, it's um, usually it, it's around seven uh, years, five to seven, mm-hmm. uh, when the oldest will go off to school or have their place sewed up. Uh, there are families, I had a dear friend, she had three children, each uh, of them seven years apart. So she raised three only children. Wow, wow. Uh, and, um, so yeah, and the other thing that changes it too, Hunter, if you have a special child, mm. that can change the figuration of the um, of the birth order. Like a kid with special needs, yes. or mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yeah, that can change the configuration, perhaps, or again perceptions. Uh, I have um, dear friends who had five children, and um, their firstborn. Um, just always wanted to be an only, even though the children were um, maybe three years apart. Uh, and uh, she remained an only all her life. So when the second born came into the world, he became um, the first boy, uh, firstborn. Mm. It was a male. And then the next child became the firstborn girl. And then we had a middle, it was very different. And then we had a youngest. So you're saying there are basically more than one firstborn in the family, like according to like the type. Is it, that what you're saying? It, it can be. You could have, depending on how many children you have, you mm-hmm. could have a firstborn um, boy or a firstborn female. Okay, cool. So just so I get it straight. So we're looking at, we're, we're just trying to understand these character traits and, and say, mm-hmm. okay, this this has a big impact, right? Like this, you're a leader, you want to control things, etc. You you want to achieve, and you have this niche as following the rules because of this position of where you are, and understanding maybe the baby as like you're the entertainer, right? Or because of this wanting attention in the second, it's fascinating. It's interesting how much it lines up. So, but it how. You know, what do you say as far as like, you know, are we parenting them differently? Are we just using this knowledge to understand them a little bit more and understand what their needs and et cetera are? I think it leads, uh, when we do understand, Hunter, I think it leads to acceptance of differences. Yeah, yeah. Because we come from, uh, I think, a culture that expects all our children to be alike because we raise them all alike. Um, so it's not about that. It's about accepting mm. the differences and being glad. Mm. Uh, would we want to raise five firstborns or five youngest? Or mm. uh, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. their personalities will be different. I think we do need to honor them, and it helps us to accept what they do in their life. Uh, when you look, uh, another trait of the youngest is they're, they're usually better observers. Mm. And, um, and they won't volunteer information a lot of times, for instance, in a classroom, because at home, no one listens. 
<laughs> so uh, when I would ha- hold my family meetings weekly, and uh, you know we'd look at the calendar and 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 make decisions about what's going on in the week, um, and the youngest would never have an opportunity to talk. And when he would try, what do you know? Oh, no. You you know, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. because he was. And um, so we finally got to the point, this is a a little tool I'll give your your listeners. Um, They had to use a spoon. Whoever had the spoon could talk. The talking spoon. Yes. That's great. Yes. Otherwise... Uh, we couldn't monopolize because mm. mm-hmm. mm. we did have, guess who? The Would- first <laughs> <laughs> See how easy this is? We learn very quickly. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I think that's what it helps us do. And I think we, if we could um, accept the differences, honor them, enjoy them, but treat our, but treat our family as a group, all of us. Mm. And um, and if you have a firstborn uh, parent, then they could use that talking spoon too, you know. <laughs> uh, and they could do more listening, and we could do more problem solving together, so mm-hmm. that everybody has an input, and then we become uh, a family unit that I think everybody really wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we're we're paying it, saying, okay, like you're craving this attention. Let me just remember that, you know, yeah. you you know, you need you need this structure and. And leadership position, like that's fine. Yeah, let me, let or giving that. that youngest the 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 gavel to to run the meeting, mm, or mm-hmm. instead of asking the oldest, watch your brother. Mm. You know, my whole thing was, oh, uh, you all know, I'm going out. Sitter's coming. You all know what the rules are. You all know what to do. When I come home, I will check with each one of you to see if you follow. So I didn't have any tattletaling, and I didn't have all that reminding, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's sort of putting the responsibility on each one and giving each one uh, the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, with my youngest, like because she is the youngest, oftentimes, like if they were in a, you know, so we went to a Renaissance fair a while back, and they went off on their own to do something, and I gave my youngest the money and said, you are, you take responsibility for this. And my oldest was kind of shocked that I had actually Mm -hmm. done that, done, you know, given her the responsibility because it went against pattern. But that I love what you're saying because it's reminding us to not just uh, fall into these autopilot patterns because of order you're reminding us to have fresh looking at like who are you and and what are what are your needs and and all of that i think it's really really helpful yeah good thank you so much yvonne thank you for inviting me i love talking about this (laughs) i knew you were a talker so i would think it would be fabulous to talk to you oh my gosh and good luck with your podcast Thank you. You're welcome. People want to find out more about you Mm -hmm. and the work you've done, et cetera. Where can they find you? YvonneNass.com. N-A-S-S. N-A-S-S. And she's a fabulous educator in Wilmington, Delaware. We love her. Thank you so much, Yvonne. I really appreciate you. I appreciate that you're doing this work. I appreciate your example and your leadership and you were so relaxed in the class and you... 12 years ago and whatever you you helped me take a breath and and you've helped so many people i'm sure those ripple effects are really going out wide so thank you so so much so welcome my pleasure 
Isn't that so fascinating? I loved talking to Yvonne and having her here at the studio to talk and so wonderful. And I feel like it's so insightful. You know, the more aware we can be about all the myriad of different needs and causes and conditions that are out there, the more we we stop our autopilot thinking and get more curious, I think. So I hope this episode has opened up some curiosity for you into your child, maybe into yourself and your partner, who knows? And I hope it's been helpful. And if you liked this episode, make sure you are subscribed and you leave a review on wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find the podcast, more people get this, all these great experts and great learning. So please, please do leave a review and, and make sure you're subscribed and, and let me know, share the episode. Let me know how it, how it goes for you. You know, we, uh, we have a whole team of people who work for you to get this podcast out. And when you, you know, subscribe, leave review, share it around, you help support that team for me to pay these amazing people to do all the work it takes to get this podcast out to you. So please do leave a review and, and share it around. And, and I'm wishing you a great week. I hope you're, hope you're hanging in there. I hope you're having, if you're having Thanksgiving, I hope it's like, you know, breathe in, breathe out. Try to take some time to, to chill and, and to, you know, offer some, some grace and forgiveness to, for everybody who's, who's got all their own causes and conditions and, and challenges and traumas and things. So, Wishing you the best, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm so glad to connect with you. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Namaste. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.